welcome aboard the battleship pretension i am tyler smith i'm david back and thank you for listening david yes how you doing um still boning myself for not getting the uh uh insulation <laughs> to keep my voice from bouncing off the indeed ceiling here um Listeners, you remind me. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler's been busy with school. Yeah, the next time you hear, uh, if you're bothered by the echoey quality of uh, uh, the podcast of late, by which I mean the last several months, uh, shoot David an email and say, hey, get on it. Yeah, you moved in here like almost a year ago, right? July. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, And uh, we also got to get a, a special Battleship Pretension-themed carpet as well that's true because the and i don't think the cats will pee on it oh good so that's good to know everything's looking good so anyway that's how i am yeah obviously <laughs> uh here's how i am this episode is brought to you by movie well, cur- we do our top of the show thing first <laughs> oh do you want it's, to it's usually how we do things yeah sorry I, I thought it would be funny to say how i'm doing and then just go into the ad um well that's a little tease uh okay for later what is this episode brought to you by Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, no, uh, you had something on. Uh, well, you brought my attention to something. Yeah. Um, so in my film marketing class, uh, it was the, the last one of the quarter. Um, and our instructor, who is uh, in marketing herself, she came in. She's like, all right, before we get started, who here saw a wrinkle in time? and like two hands went up Uh and she's like, did you see this Ava DuVernay announcement or whatever message at the beginning? And they're like, yeah. And apparently, so the way they described it, the screening, the screenings that they went to, there was a message, uh, recorded or whatever you want to say. Taped. Taped. taped, Yeah. (laughs) Um, the, uh, it was a mimeograph, right? Uh Uh, of Ava DuVernay and apparently kinetoscope. Oh, oh, I've been saying that word a lot lately, <laughs> oddly enough, cause I was uh, talking about the history of film. Huh. Um, but, uh, so what they said is that in her message before the movie started, she was talking about, uh, like the diversity of the film. And so like that, it just really bothered my instructor, not necessarily even just the diversity thing, but the message itself. But then she said with the diversity, she's like, she goes, yeah, that's what I heard. And that's how I knew the movie was going to be terrible because she's trying to convince you about how good it is from another angle before you even started. Right. But then I saw the movie last night and there was indeed a, a message, but I don't recall it being particularly about diversity. It was more just about like, uh, what movies can do and like they can, and it cuts to yeah. like her on the set directing and it cuts to like images from the film that we're about to watch by the way. Uh, and it's, it's more just about like, Oh, you know, thanks for seeing this movie and all that sort of thing. And so I had told you about it or I had asked you, the way it was you, described to you. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it sound to me like, and I know you were a good kid, so you didn't have this, uh, um, the, this experience, but if you had to have your parents sign off the confirmation that you'd gotten detention or an insult suspension or oh, something, okay. so you have to you have to tell your parents that you fucked up at school, yeah, and you start like, all right, first let me say, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of how that uh, how that, how that yeah. feels to me. First off, hey, okay, <laughs> I was I wasn't an angel. I got suspended oh. once for convincing two other kids to fight. <laughs> Did you not know that? I don't think I knew. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, seventh or eighth grade i don't remember but uh i was this (laughs) i just thought it would be funny 
Yeah. And so it was just this go between and I just convinced uh, Wes to beat up uh, Jason, not not our friend Jason, but right. uh, this other guy. And uh, <laughs> then so they both went into the office and then I got called in and they're both sitting there and I was like, "Uh-oh. Uh-huh. I see what's happening here." And uh, yeah, I just lied a bunch and I just uh, I like to think of myself as Iago from uh, <laughs> Othello. But one time uh, I got sent to the principal's office for getting punched, not for doing anything. And I'll tell you what happened. I was in a class and like, I guess we were, we had like a, a, an hour where we were working on projects. So mm-hmm. some people were at tables and some people were over at the computers. And this one kid, I think his name was Chris, maybe was at the computers. And what I didn't know was the whole time I was at the table, the mean kids in the class kept walking by behind Chris and like flicking him on the head or flicking his ear mm. every time they walked past him. Right. So then I have an actual question. I don't know that any of this has happened. I have an actual question for Chris. So I just walk up behind him and I'm like, hey, Chris. And he stands up and turns around and socks me in the face. And I was like, so I had no idea what was going on. And the, the teacher just like reflexively sent us both to the principal's office. And the whole way Chris is like, I'm so sorry. I know it wasn't and like immediately told the vice principal, like, okay, David had nothing to do with this. So I ended up being fine. I, although they did, they did still make me write down my version of the event, events. I don't know. It sounds like, He's like I, I just wanted to talk to my buddy Chris. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, that's a, oh, that's boy. a that was a middle school. Um, so yeah. Uh, so I I asked you because you had gone to the critic screening uh, if if she had introduced the film or if the, it had come with this message and the answer was no on no, both counts. Yeah. So this is something that went out to theaters specifically. And based on what these two separate guys in my class said, like it was very much about diversity. That's not what I saw. So part of me thought like maybe it's a different message in certain theaters or maybe it was this and now it's this other thing. But either way you wanted to talk about well, messaging. Well, I guess in general, because I, yeah, I was curious after you texted me about that, I looked it up and there was a, an editorial on the Mary Sue.com kind of being like, and th- this writer also hadn't seen the thing in front of her screening. She mm-hmm. was like, uh, clearly had heard what you had heard and was like, uh, you know, in the Mary, Mary Sue, that, that site's, uh, you know, political outlook would be very pro that. But this, yeah. this, this writer was like, this still seems lame. <laughs> like, yeah. it doesn't seem cool to be like using it, using like diversity and representation of these things that we think are very important for sort of like, you know, advertising points or like to try and frame yeah. how to how, how to watch and how to yeah. appreciate the movie before an audience has seen it but yeah. uh but um anyway so i started reading that and that's when i realized especially in the comment section a lot of people were pointing out like a lot of people were saying like you're what you're saying like no it wasn't really about that it was just sort of about uh you know here's the movie i made and then people were saying yeah i saw one of these in front of coco and a couple mm-hmm. of other people said I don't even know if this is true, but enough people said Coco that I'm like, okay, I guess there must've been a Coco one too. Uh, but to other people who were like, Oh, black Panther had one or baby driver had, had one, which both yeah. the movies I saw at public screenings and didn't see. But then someone also mentioned the greatest showman, yeah. which I did see a public screening of, and I realized, Oh, there was a thing yeah. there too. Yeah. And I, I don't know. You pointed to me like I had something to say, but I really just wanted to discuss why this is happening. And I think, I don't know. I mean, I wonder if it's just, um, you know, they keep, uh, but maybe it makes it something that, you know, obviously it's come from the studios. Maybe it's asked for by the, you know, theater chains or whatever. It seems like 
they keep wanting to like uh, just like they did with widescreen or whatever like have a reason to, i think they want people to feel special about having gone to the movies as opposed to just watch something at home yeah that but was he, that was the greatest showman thing it was the yeah. director and hugh jackman like thanking you for seeing something on the big screen yeah. and in my mind i was like i'll allow it well you know what it reminds i get what me you're saying something um i went to a comedy show recently it was the first time in forever oh wow uh, but you and i used to go to comedy shows a lot yes and there was a thing that sometimes got said by the host at the end of the show that always set my teeth on it do you know okay. what i'm talking about uh it was like i don't recall thank you for supporting live comedy yeah okay that was it I hate that it's like no i'm not here as a fucking cause I yeah money to come here and laugh you know i'm not like yeah. Getting gonna get all puffed up about my doing my good deed for the day because yeah. I supported live comedy. <laughs> just, just make me laugh. That's and people will come. You know, uh, if you know, if be like, like, hey, do you want to come see a comedy show? It's like I gave it the plant. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, and, and so I've, it does kind of rub me the wrong way. Uh, in the same way that thank you for supporting live comedy always used to. Yeah. Uh, in that it's trying to make people feel good or like they've done something important by doing something they were going to do anyway. And which isn't really the point. Yeah. They're not, this isn't charity. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I've, I've heard standup comics say they hate that too, because Mm -hmm. they, it makes them feel like they're like their charity cases. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, I'm not sure what the answer is to, I've heard, I mean, there's just been many, many, think pieces in Twitter threads about what theaters can do to make the, uh, movie going experience, uh, better. Um, I don't know what it is that they can do. Um, as far as theater chain, like theater chains could do a lot, uh, like what eject people for talking insist on no cell phone use, like keep the theater clean. Like you do that. And I know that I'm, I mean, I go to the theaters anyway, but I always go with my guard up because you never quite yeah. know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so I remember, uh, I was listening to an old episode of, uh, never not funny. And our friend Wayne Fetterman was on there and he said something like sometimes somebody just phrases something just the right way that it apply. It winds up applying to a lot of things. For, <laughs> so it's a phrase I think of a lot where he and Jimmy, cause they go to a lot of concerts and, Wayne was talking about how some, he went to some concert where like the guy on stage kept saying like, saying like, all right, now stand up. And you know, and then uh, he's like, make some noise. And just, and Wayne said, Wayne said like, you know, if you do what you're supposed to do, we'll just do this naturally. <laughs> you know, and just yeah. the, the Wayne Fetterman kind of way. Yeah. Um, but I definitely, I have, I've internalized that idea where, to, where it's just like, like, Hey, look at all. It, 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 let's say it was like a super, super obvious pro diversity thing. And just like, look at all this diversity. Can you imagine it? It's just like, you know, if you do this right, which you probably will, I'll notice it on my own. Like, I don't right. need you to hold my hand certainly yeah. before the film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I might be okay with it after the credits, the, the end credits. Yeah. I could see that. maybe, yeah. But even that is contextualizing it and it has nothing to do with the movie. In a way it has everything to do with the movie, but it's, it's, it has nothing to do with the story, with the film itself, which should be able to speak for itself without right. the director chiming in. Hey, you even mentioned the poison, uh, on the uh, movie, movie journal yeah. that there is an element of, 
we can take some of the edge off or what rather we can recontextualize this. We don't know if that's actually why they I, did it. I don't it. think that's why. Right. I don't think, I don't think recontextualization yeah. is what he was going for. Right. But yeah, listen to the movie journey. You guys will know what yeah. Tyler's talking about. But as you described it, the first thing I thought of was this uh-huh. conversation and just a director trying to counter what you're about to see, try to enhance what you're about to see, try to make you feel good for seeing it, whatever it is. And it, it feels like it could be pandering. It feels like it could be manipulation. I don't know. No matter what it is, I don't like it. Uh, I was okay with the greatest showman thing because I guess there was an element of like, Hey, thanks for seeing this in this format, whether it be this movie or anything else. And it, I still didn't love it, but I, I was, I, I got it. It also kind of, uh, and they couldn't have known this when they made it. Um, the greatest showman thing did have kind of a, a fun camaraderie to it in uh, with the audience in the sense that if we, as we've talked about, the greatest showman was a movie that Fox didn't seem to really believe in yeah. and ended up doing very well. So it did kind of feel like, Hey, Hugh and uh, I forget the director's yeah. name. It's like, yeah, we're on your side. Uh, yeah. So that I, that was probably an unintended co- uh, consequence of that. But um, that was another thing. I forget for the life of me. I can't remember where I heard this. Um, I think it was. I think somebody was talking about the the number of films and sometimes TV shows that involve, um like uh, improvisation and that there's, there's often an element of look how much fun we're having, you know, and we're just, we're winging it and all that. And that it's almost like we're, we're going to leave this in so that we, you can be in on the fun. Uh-huh. Well, you know what? If you do what you're supposed <laughs> to do, I'll just feel this way naturally. And so I feel like it's, there are worse things in the world, but it is something that like, as you know, and as we both have said, like, I don't like when David Chase says that Tony Soprano didn't die. I don't like when Vince Gilligan says that the last episode wasn't a dream. Oh, like, yeah, I think I forgot about that one. Or when uh, Ridley Scott says that Deckard is a replicant. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't like any of that. It's, yeah. not, it's not up to you. And if you wanted to say that, you should have said it when it mattered. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And by the way, I saw Blade Runner 2049. He clearly isn't. Uh, yeah, unless there was some sort of aging replicant that we didn't know about. Right. Yeah. Just like, oh, this is an aging model. Oh, shit, nobody needs that. Damn uh, it, why did we design this? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, well, you know what I feel naturally like doing right now? What's that? Paying some bills. Absolutely. If uh, we'll do what we're going to do and then the audience will naturally go to movie and, uh, type in that code. Um, okay. This episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent international and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy all for only eight 99 a month. Plus when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. So right now, Mubi is proud to present the online premiere of one of the best films to ever come out of Venezuela, uh, Jorge uh, Thielen Armand's La Soledad, this pertinent, remarkably lucid rumination. At first, I I was reading their uh, description here, and I was like, lucid? Why would you... Why would you describe anything that way? And it's like, oh, I should keep reading. Um, <laughs> this pertinent, remarkably lucid rumination on the unforgiving effects of time confer- uh, confirms with inspired poetic depth that the personal is always inescapably political. I sometimes like the way that Mubi writes this stuff because yeah. part of me is like, oh, geez, 
I feel like I'm doing something very wrong if I don't watch this. <laughs> um, but, uh, okay. So, and then also, so that's uh, La Soledad. And then movie is also launching a series on the groundbreaking documentaries that have recently come out of China, often against the will of the Chinese government. So the first is a film called, uh, three sisters directed by, uh, I believe it's Wang Bing. Um, so yeah, be on the lookout for more documentaries like that. It's always fun when, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's not fun for the directors, but, uh, as a viewer, it's always fun. When it's like, Oh, that did. Somebody didn't want me to see this. Yeah. Somebody official. Uh, and yet here I am watching it. Uh, but anyway, so uh, there is also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com. That's M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship to redeem now. Or click on the Mubi ad at BattleshipPretension.com. Um, and I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. I'm sure that uh, Bruce over at Tweak loves the, um, <laughs> it's a great way to start an ad. You know how on commercials, when like Matthew McConaughey wants to tell you about Lincoln's yeah. and he like sort of steps, he's, he's driving, you know, it's in the, in the rain and he drives through a tunnel and he's like, um, <laughs> So anyways, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com, which is where you go for professional quality audio, but not professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. You know what I was listening to today? Judas Priest, because Judas Priest are awesome. Uh, and it sounded great in my tweakedaudio.com earbuds. These are available. If you think These that uh, other earbuds are as good, you got another thing coming. That's right. <laughs> um, that is the only Judas Priest song I know. Yeah, well, that you, I'm aware I mean, of. You won't need uh, uh, you won't need a painkiller um, after uh, after this sweet medicine for your ears. That is tweakedaudio.com earbuds. They're available at a low, low price. I've over, seen fire and I've uh, seen rain <laughs> over at tweakedaudio.com. Um, and, uh, but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay. It's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Let's get into it, shall we? All right. This is uh, this is your baby. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. Um, <laughs> I don't think I knew it until I said it. You, I guess you know me pretty well. I do, yes. Uh, so, okay. This is going to be uh, an odd thing, and it might not, uh, might not go very long. This might be a short episode. Um, but within it, I think Look, we can... I'm still recovering from our top ten. <laughs> you know what? Fair enough. Yeah, we, yeah. we get, it was a nice little down payment. Yeah, um, yeah we banked some minutes there. So, um, uh, okay. So I am... I have a couple of uh, small papers to write, including one about this subject. Mm-hmm. Although the... Uh, 
oh, this is marvelous. The instructor of my class just sent out an email and he said, hey, if you are a master's student, because the paper was 15 pages, he said, if you're a master's student, you know what, you can just go more at the 10 page level. And if you're a PhD student, then let's stick with 15. And I was like, well, all right, that's five <laughs> pages that I don't have to worry about. Although I'm kind of a blowhard, so it'll probably wind up being 17. Um, <laughs> it's happened before. So, um, so my, my, uh, quarter is, is almost done, which means I am almost done with school, uh, which is very exciting. And, uh, this, I guess is my final, uh, project. It not like a thesis or anything like that. Um, or a dissertation. Um, so the class that I am taking right now is one that I took because it fit my schedule. Uh, it's a class on digital humanities. What is digital humanities? Nobody actually knows. Uh, it's still kind of being defined right now. Um, and some people are really against the concept of it, but I've read article, I've read several articles about people who are against digital humanities and they don't seem to understand what they're against, but that's all right. Cause I've written, <laughs> cause I've, I've, I've read articles that are pro digital humanities and they don't seem to know what they're in favor of. <laughs> it's really fascinating. Um, but once you, once you actually like start, you know, looking at, at, certain digital humanities projects, uh, you get a better sense of, of what they are, which is basically using digital technology specifically online to, uh, collect data, compare data, and then present it in a novel way. Um, now I am probably not going to be able to present my data in a novel way. It'll just be a bunch of graphs and stuff. Um, but I was trying to think like, and and this is a, an introductory class, so none of these projects are remarkably uh, complex. Although somebody did, uh, somebody is doing one about the depictions of animal death in the films of Michael Haneke. Oh, which is really interesting, and but also like breaking them down like frame by frame, and then talking about like she she gave a, a big presentation, and it was and it just. Yes, this is talking about a film because it's a film department, but also making larger points about uh, death that we as a society are are okay looking at and what we're not. And that sometimes we will we will have a certain type of death that will represent a different kind so that we're almost euphemistically. Uh, and so I was like, oh, geez, okay. Like that's really – some of these are super complex. And then mine – I would have gone with – uh, Wes Anderson. He likes killing animals too much. Does he actually? No, uh, I guess I'm just thinking of there's the cat in Grand Budapest. Yeah. There's the dog in Royal Tenenbaums and the dog in Moonrise Kingdom. Okay. Uh, gets it. Um, I feel like there was more that I used to have. There probably are more. Yes. Uh, but it does seem like there's too many animals to die in this movie. Yeah, but it's uh, in the case of Michael Haneke, some of them are actual animals that are killed. Right. Uh, Somebody, this uh, fellow student mentioned that there was one film in which he killed four horses to get a shot. Wow. I don't know if they're going to be killed anyway. Sounds like not. 
I don't know, but that's pretty horrible. And then I told the story of Richard Donner with uh, the Omen uh-huh. being unwilling to kill even a goldfish. Yeah, um, Richard Donner. I know. I I appreciate that so much more yeah. uh, these days. That and I still enjoy. There was in the making of the Omen DVD that you owned, and there was a special feature, and he was talking about you know casting various people, and he was talking about David Warner, and that he had seen this movie that I still can't remember the name of, and he was first made aware of David Warner in that, and he goes, and if you haven't seen it, you owe yourself a treat, and I was like, <laughs> I guess I do. Like it just felt very, I don't know, it just felt uh, very empowering. Anyway, that's so, one of my favorite, though, as we've talked about before, the commentary between Richard Donner and editor Stuart. Baird yeah. on The Omen is so delightful. Yeah. So much fun. A movie I don't even really like it's that much. It, it has some great like individual scenes. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know that yeah. it entirely comes together, yeah. but um, and it's also got Jerry Goldsmith's music. There's a lot to recommend The Omen, Yeah, but it's not I don't know that it's quite a horror yeah. classic. Yeah. And I think it's, I think, yeah, a lot of good performances. I think, uh, Gregory Peck is, is really great in it. Um, incidentally, uh, so we just passed our 11 year mark mm-hmm. and, uh, on Facebook and I think on Twitter, I put out like, Hey, what, you know, it's our 11th anniversary. Like what are anniversary? What are some of your, your favorite BP moments? Yeah. Sure enough. Baboons are dangerous. Yeah, that's a big one. Which is yeah. a big one for us. But uh, And I got to say, Fred Hitchcock has shown up a lot. People really like that Fred yeah, Hitchcock. I listen to that. Some recency bias there, but oh well. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Sorry, we are going all over the place. Of course, this isn't going to be a short episode. What was I thinking? <laughs> um, yeah, what are we even talking about? <laughs> I know. Okay. So, <clears throat> so I was trying to think, well, what, what do I want to go with? And around that time, I was, I was talking with somebody about Darkest Hour. And then I mentioned that earlier last year, there was this film Churchill with Brian Cox. Mm -hmm. And then someone said, oh, that's odd. Cause you know, the John Lithgow plays Churchill in the crown. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm aware of that. And then, then all these other Churchill portrayals started showing up in my mind and I was like and the year before in 2016 Michael Gambon played him in a movie called Churchill's Secret Timothy Spall played him Brendan Gleeson played him played him Rod Taylor played him in one scene Uh, Albert Finney there are actually like one or two others that I can't remember all of this since 2000 and so I'm just like what the fuck is going on (laughs) Why are people so like, why are we seeing so much Churchill right now? Mm -hmm. And I thought like, I wonder if it has something to do with British politics. And I thought maybe that's what my digital humanities project could be about. Wait a second. I don't know shit about British politics. So it's time to pivot. (laughs) And we pivoted to one of my favorite, uh, things to talk about something, uh, an episode I've wanted to do for forever. And I'm thinking of maybe I can fold it into this one. Sure which is depictions of Nixon is what I always called it. Yeah. Um, cause you love how it almost rhymes. It almost rhymes. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so Richard Nixon is a figure that I've always found fascinating and a character in when he's portrayed in film. Often I find myself uncomfortably similar to him. Uh, but I also thought like, okay, well I don't want to just do, I, I, I started developing a theory, uh, about, the way Nixon is used in film. Uh, but I thought like, okay, well I don't want to necessarily, uh, just stick with him. So I thought, okay, I'll go with Kennedy as well 
because, hey, they ran against each other in 1960. One is seen as like the best Democrat and the other like the worst Republican until recently. Um, and both men had their presidencies cut short, albeit for, for very different reasons. Mm -hmm. And so I thought like, okay. And, and both of them have had multiple movies made about them. So I thought, okay, this isn't, this isn't bad. So I started thinking about like, okay, so what, uh, why, why have these guys been depicted so much? And so I'm going to focus primarily on Nixon for this episode for reasons I'll get to in a moment. Uh, so with Nick, with Nixon himself, he had such a unique voice and cadence and he looked so, he had like the jowls, he had this nose, his hair was slicked back. So like if, if I'm an actor and not unlike Winston Churchill, if I'm an actor, it's like, Holy shit, I'm uh, I'm 60. It's time to play Nixon, <laughs> I guess. Um, not that that many actors have played him, but a good number have. Uh, and he's just an image of, of a, of a, of a, uh, in, in America's history. And so I thought like, okay, so there are a number of, there are a number of reasons to want to play Nixon. Uh, you know, there's a good chance that you will be nominated for an Oscar or an Emmy. Uh, if you play him as Anthony Hopkins did in 95 Mm -hmm. and as Franklin Jella did in 2008. And then, uh, there was a film in the nineties called Kissinger and Nixon in which, uh, Bo Bridges played him, uh, and Ron Silver played, Henry Kissinger and Bo Bridges was nominated for an Emmy for playing that. And so I felt like, okay, so there's, there's a reason within the industry to play him. So, okay, so let's look at, let's look at why somebody would want to make a movie about him. And so once I started getting into that, things really started opening up because I started with Frost Nixon No, no, sorry. I started with The Post because The Post, as we both know, was rushed into production Uh as pretty much as a response to some of the stuff that Trump has been saying about the First Amendment, about journalism and newspapers and all that sort of thing. Trump and his, you know, the Bannons and other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. His, uh cronies that I guess he came to hate eventually. I don't know. It's, he has an odd relationship with everybody. <laughs> um, and so the film was rushed Pretty into production. Daniels, am I right? Watch out. All right. All right. We'll get you next time. <laughs> um, and so it's like, okay, so here's an example of a film that was made in response to something that's happening right now politically. And sure enough, here it's a Nixon movie. Now we don't see him on screen. We hear him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, but it's, so it's very much about him. And so I thought like, okay, I wonder if that has happened before. Then I realized that Frost Nixon came out in 2008 and that's an election year. Mm-hmm. And one of the big lines of the film, and indeed it, it was a big trailer line was when the president does it, that means it's not illegal. And there are a lot of allegations. Now, don't worry. Nixon actually said that in the in the interview. Um, but he says it in the actual interview. He says it like in a very 
calm way. And then the film, it's just like, it's very bad. Um, when the president does it, that's, I'm not, a, that's not a good Nixon. Um, no, you're doing the Futurama Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that they make him into a werewolf, I guess. Um, so, uh, yeah. And so I thought like, okay, something that people said about Bush is that he was doing unlawful things and seemed to think that he was above the law and that he was, uh, that he was like superseding his, his authority to do things. So it's like, okay. So in 2008, when the president does it, that means it's not illegal. And that is seen as like, okay, this is a a negative thing, uh, during, uh, an important election because John McCain was, a, a, a politician that people liked for the most part. Um, and then I, he picked Sarah Palin and that was a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and up until then he was actually running pretty close and occasionally ahead, uh, of Obama. And so I thought like, okay, well, you know, it's not as though Frost Nixon made a big impact on that election. Um, real quick, did you see the HBO movie about, um, where I can't remember who played Sarah Palin in it. Uh, was it Julianne Moore? Julianne Moore. Yeah. Did you ever and see that game change? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. I did not. Um, it's interesting, but I remember reading, um, when it came out, they did advance, uh, Politico was writing about mm-hmm. the advanced screenings and how, um, how like for different industries, like they didn't advance, like advanced screenings in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. People laughed because it's a comedy advanced screenings in DC. People were silent because it's a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. And, uh, and once you start thinking in certain ways, it's really fun to see. Yeah. All right. Guess what year game change came out. Um, I'm guessing 2012. You're correct. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that, so that's the thing that I started like really thinking about and I thought like, okay, well, secret honor which is a big Nixon movie. He's the only character in the film. Mm-hmm. It's a Robert Altman film came out in 84, uh, which was a big election year. And, uh, you know, and so I thought like, okay, so there's a, there's a couple of these. And then I started writing down like every, every Nixon movie that was released. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I included TV movies. I did not include documentaries just cause there's so damn many of them. Same with, there's even more about Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought like, okay, something I started to notice is that there were little clusters of Nixon, uh, Nixon movies when there was a Republican president and then not so much when there's a Democrat. And I thought like, okay, so maybe I'm developing a theory here, but wait a second. Nixon, the movie Nixon came out in 95. That's smack dab in right. the middle of yeah. Clinton. So I thought like, all right, well, I guess that blows my theory. Wait a minute. I'm only looking at presidents. I need to look at Congress. And in 94, led by Newt Gingrich, the the Republicans took the House for the first time in like 30 or 40 years. So much so that Bill Clinton, in response, said the era of big government is over. So like he's, he's speaking Republican language. Mm-hmm. And so looking at it that way, it's like, okay, now I got to start looking at, at bigger things than just president. So then I, I looked at the, the house and the Senate and then I, that's when I really noticed, uh, a, uh, correlation. Now, of course, correlation is not causation. That's a big thing that we talk about in digital humanities, 
but here's the thing. So, okay. I recognize that. Yes, I probably sound like some kind of Republican crackpot, except here's the thing. But you're not saying anything. You're not getting defensive. Right. You're not saying Nixon wasn't a crook. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he told us he wasn't and I took him at his word. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And so the thing is, yes, correlation is not necessarily causation, which is true a lot of the time, but we are talking about people who are making decisions. They're looking at a political landscape Mm -hmm. and then they are deciding to do something. And the fact that Oliver Stone chose to make Nixon when he did, you know, admittedly after platoon and wall street and born on the 4th of July and JFK, he could do whatever he wanted at that point. I mean, he, he'd won two Oscars. His movies were making money. Um, and I think he'd made, what is it like, heaven blue no not blue sky like heaven and earth or something like that he'd made some uh, another vietnam film uh yeah. in like 93 or 94 yeah, um, yeah i don't remember i think it's the one i think jen i think jessica lang won an oscar for it i don't know i might be thinking of something else though um and so so with, but so it was nixon that that it got me looking at congress and then once i started looking at that that combined with presidential election years. And that's, it's like, okay, so in 76, you get all the president's men, uh, in 80, not that it was a big movie or anything like that, but you get where the Buffalo Rome in which Nixon literally says, fuck the doomed. Uh, and that, that was a, it was like a Hunter S Thompson inspired film yeah. in which Bill, have you seen it? Uh, where the Buffalo Rome? Yes, yeah. I have. It's yes. not a bad movie. Uh, um, I remember being sloppy, but, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yes, Heaven and Earth is the name of the movie that you're thinking of. Okay, but that's um, not with Jessica Lange, right? Uh, no, it's got, um, uh, as far as American actors, it's got Tommy Lee Jones, uh, I guess, he's, uh, and then Joan Chen, who's not okay. an American actor. But um, real quick aside about Heaven and Earth. Okay. Um, the Dick Clark production screening room, which is the okay. place where press screenings are sometimes has when you go into the you know the 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 bathroom outside the screening room um there's a stack of like magazines mm-hmm. and for i don't know i'm sure if it's still there but for like years one of them was not a magazine but like a making of heaven and earth like yeah glossy like the kind of thing they sent out at award season and i was like i want to see uh <laughs> i want to see like red violin type movie about how this thing ended up in the bathroom at dick clark productions um, anyway, <laughs> that's, uh, I love very specific things like that. <laughs> um, so, okay. So i so that led to, so I started with Nixon and I'll talk about Kennedy in a moment, but so then I decided like, okay, well maybe this isn't that weird. Maybe it's, maybe movies are made about presidents all the time. So I went through starting with, uh, Eisenhower. I went through looking at every movie, past 1960 that was made about any president Mm -hmm. past Eisenhower, uh, including Eisenhower. And so now this is a, I I made a graph here so you can see it. Okay. Let me see if I can interpret this for the listeners. Okay. Um, so wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, you were right about Nixon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, stealth pick here, Johnson neck and neck. Here's the thing though. Okay. That's what I thought as well. And I thought, uh-huh. like, I guess there have, especially lately, there have been quite a few depictions of, of Johnson. And sure, so I thought, like, Selma. 
Yeah, there's Inter- Selma. There's Inter- All the Way with Brian Cranston. Oh right, and um, it was, um, Lee Daniels. Lee Daniels, the Butler. That's right. Well, they're all in that. Yeah, um, yeah that one's kind of a wild yeah. shot. There was a Path to War with uh, Michael Gambon as Johnson, and I feel like there are one or two uh, others that were notable. But uh, but yeah, so I was like, okay, well, Johnson has he's got more than Kennedy and he and, and Nixon are tied. Mm -hmm. So I thought like, okay, well that's, you know, so I, I, this is a presentation that I did for my class. And so I thought like, okay, well let's look into this. So here are some of the movies about Lyndon Johnson. One's called LBJ. That's one with Woody Harrelson that came out last year. Yeah. There's one called LBJ, the early years, there's All the Way, which is the one with Brian Cranston, and then there's Path to War. All of those very much about Johnson. Here are so the you know, I'm I'm listing movies that Nixon or Johnson or whatever are in. Right. Okay. Here are some other Lyndon Johnson movies. Blood Feud, which is about Jimmy Hoffa versus RFK. Uh J. Edgar Hoover, Kennedy, The Kennedys, King, about Martin Luther King. The Private Files of J. Edgar Hoover, Robert Kennedy and His Times, Selma, mm-hmm. 13 Days in Which He Doesn't Have a Speaking Part, RFK, Hoover versus the Kennedys, and Jackie. Yeah, movies where he's not. Yeah, he shows up in other people's movies. Right. Uh, here are some Nixon movies. Richard, Elvis Meets Nixon, Nixon, Dick, Kissinger and Nixon, Frost Nixon, Elvis and Nixon, R. Nixon, which is a uh, documentary, yeah. and then Secret Honor, which in which he's the only character. So, huh. so looking at these these uh, the number of films, like yes, they are tied as far as how often they've been depicted, but Nixon movies for the most part are about Nixon. Even stuff like all the President's Men mm-hmm. or The Post, which aren't officially about Nixon, are all about Nixon. Yeah, there was also, I mean, no one saw it last year. There was also Mark Felt, the man who took down yeah, the White House. Yeah, Whatever brought down the White House. Yeah. That's, yeah, Nixon's not in that, but it's all about him. Yeah, yeah like this is, this project is very large. Um, like if you want to start, like this is a bigger project than one quarter uh and somebody who's not putting a lot of energy into it, yeah. uh, as I am not. Um, but it's, sounds like a book. Maybe. It could be a book if, but again, I, I'm not going to write it oh. cause I'm, that's research takes a lot of time and I'm, yeah, but you're about to graduate. That's true. You got all the time in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that that is true. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, there is that script that I need to read, and then after that, it's uh, pretty open. <laughs> By the way, everybody, <laughs> uh, I'm going to need uh, I'm not working as a, a photo editor anymore. So uh, uh, but I have been doing a lot of script consulting lately. So and I charge a very reasonable rate. So Tyler, battleshippretension.com if you want me to consult on your script. Anyway, um, so. So I thought, like, OK, uh, well, what about the other Republicans? Because I thought, like, OK, well, if indeed this is a situation where, uh, uh, you know, filmmakers that are maybe a bit liberal, they want to use past presidents and past Republicans or whatever to comment on current Republicans. So it's like, OK, so let's look at that. OK, Ford is nothing. Mm hmm. With the exception of Chevy Chase, nobody has depicted Ford ever. 
All right. Uh, Eisenhower, very little, and it's only ever noble, of course. Um, Even in Good Night and Good Luck, you see footage of him at the end. And that's a film that could have said, hey, this happened on Eisenhower's watch. But at the end, there's footage of him talking about the importance of habeas uh, habeas corpus. Yeah. So it's like, all right. So it even lets. So that's a film that could have uh, criticized him, but even kind of let him off the hook uh, tonally anyway. Yeah. So it's like, okay. H.W.? H.W. shows up in movies about W. Um, he was played by James Cromwell in the movie W. Okay. Okay. Reagan. Uh, There's a couple of TV movies, right? A couple of TV movies made after he died. Okay. Um, and then he's, of course, also in Lee Daniels. Lee Daniels, the Bible. Yes. Um, which I still need to see, right? It's a good movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm definitely intrigued by some of the casting choices. Uh, and looking I feel at... Like it's like... In a way, it's like the People versus O.J. Simpson miniseries when, like, before it came out, everyone was like, this thing's going to be a train wreck. David yeah. Schwimmer and John Travolta yeah. and, all these, uh, and all these people and Nathan Lane as F. Lee Bailey. Like, that's insane. Yeah. And then it's so good. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what the butler, uh, the butler is. It's a lot of stunt casting that mostly works out. How is John Cusack as Nixon? Uh, I imagine he doesn't. Does he try to do the voice or anything? Not really. I don't mean, I, it's been a while. I saw it in the theater when it came out, so uh, I don't really remember, but um, I don't remember doing the voice. I remember his, he mostly played, he's, he's not, he's not Secret Honor Nixon. He's okay. like sullen a okay. lot of the time. He's not in his like paranoid, <laughs> you know, okay. uh, ranting angry phase. Most of the time he's, yeah, uh, feeling defeated. Well, it's, well, John Cusack's the right guy for that. Yeah. Um, although I, I feel like, he's aged like maybe five years in the last 30. Like he still looks pretty young to me Mm. and he doesn't look like Nixon as opposed to like, they definitely made up Robin Williams. They made up, uh, uh, Schreiber to play Johnson and that sort of thing. But anyway, um, so yeah. So, and then I thought like, okay, well let's take a look at, uh, let's take a look at, um, what is it? Popularity? What do you call it? Approval ratings. Oh, okay. So I, let's look at approval ratings and, and see if we can make sense of this. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, Secret Honor did come out in 84 and that was, and Reagan was incredibly popular. So maybe, maybe, uh, uh, Altman was trying to do something there. I don't know, but uh, whatever it is, it didn't work because Reagan carried 49 States. Um, yeah. but, uh, but then again, so did Nixon in 72. And so, uh, I'm, I know I'm bouncing around a little bit. There's a lot to cover and I yeah. don't necessarily want to cover all of it. Um, but, but Nixon's approval rating by the end is pretty, low, pretty low, <laughs> which means yeah. we will always have Dick Nixon to kick around. No question about it. Um, and that's the thing is, and so like Ford, really the only thing he's known for is pardoning Nixon. And so, I guess you could use that, but he also wasn't that interesting to look at. Carter is the same way. I mean, he definitely had, he had, he had an accent and that sort of thing, but you don't find a lot of depictions of Carter. Um, you don't see a lot of Clinton either. You see Johnson, Kennedy, and you're seeing a surprising amount of Obama given how recent he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's true. But he, I mean, yeah, I guess the, there's a, um, with, in very different ways, in completely different ways, uh, mm-hmm. with both Nixon and Obama, you've got kind of a ready-made narrative. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Whereas it might be because I was I was going to bring up when you bring up you know 
uh, approval ratings, especially at the end of the presidency, George W. Bush's was very low. Yeah. Uh, for the last couple of years of this presidency. Yeah. Um, it, but we haven't seen, we saw W, but other than that, there hasn't been that many. Is it because it's recent or is it because the story doesn't come with the tidy ending that the Nixon story comes with. You know what I mean? It, it might be that it might be that we want some, some perspective. And of course, W right. came out in 2008. But what I'm saying is there's a, there's a dramatic irony to any depiction of Nixon as president because we yeah. already know how it ends. Yeah. Whereas George W. Bush for everything that we, um, that the, you know, that I, I never liked about him or that the country grew to hate, uh, about his presidency, you know, the, um, the Iraq war, um, uh, and, and everything, uh, and the, and the, and the torture and mm-hmm. all, all of this stuff. We don't like, there wasn't any, there wasn't ever any comeuppance. You know what I mean? Yeah. He stopped being president and now people think he paints his cute cause he paints pictures and struggles with his raincoat at the inauguration. Do, do you remember that? No. <laughs> There's like a little gif of him, like having trouble putting up the hood on his like raincoat at the, at Trump's inauguration that got shared around. Yeah. Spread around and like, it was cute. And then, but a lot of people being like, you know, I still think this guy's a war criminal. I don't right. think this is, this is cute. Uh, yeah. I think see, and, and I think, you know, looking at the, at the chart that I showed you of like the number of movies, isn't it interesting that the top three are all people whose presidencies ended in a very specific way. Kennedy was assassinated. Johnson said, I will not, I shall not seek and I will not accept. Uh And then Nixon was, uh, resigned from office in disgrace. Like all like there's a very clear narrative specifically about their presidencies. And how can we don't have more movies about McKinley? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I've been asking the same question. I got to really expand this a little bit. Um, the guy at, who worked at my high school, he was not a teacher. He was part of the faculty. He was like basically the guy in charge of all the audio and visual equi- equipment was related to the guy who killed McKinley. Had the mm. same last name. Uh, Chogus is how it's pronounced. It's spelled. Okay. It's like C-Z-O-L-G-O-S-Z, something like that. Okay. Uh, anyway, he dined out on that for years. Or maybe he, maybe the guy who worked in my high school just like to tell kids that he was related because, because he, because <laughs> it's such a rare last name, but it's, I, it seems reasonable. Yeah. I, when I worked at Blockbuster in studio city, I worked with a guy also named Tyler. His last name was Coster. His grandfather was Henry Coster who directed Harvey. Oh wow. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like, and you, and, and he was like, you know, trying to be an actor and I, and part of me is like, but it, isn't, I mean, your grandfather directed Harvey goes, yeah, nobody cares. I was like, yeah, fair enough. Um, so can so, you name all the, so there's four assassinated presidents, right? Okay. You got your, you got uh, you got Lincoln shot by Booth booth. You, you got, got McKinley, your McKinley shot by, by Leon Chogas. You've got, got of course, your, uh, Kennedy. Yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald yeah. or your best guess. Oh boy. Probably. Uh, and then, uh, Garfield, do you know who shot him? No. You got to think of the Johnny Cash song. Is it a guy named Sue? No. Charlie Gitto. <laughs> Gitto uh, done shot down the that's good right, man. Yes. Good man. <laughs> and that is the only time anybody has ever referenced Garfield being shot. Yeah. Um, but, uh, okay, so, so jumping around a little bit. So I'll, I'll talk about uh, Kennedy as well. Kennedy is interesting because there are way more TV shows about him than Nixon. Nixon gets movies. Kennedy gets TV shows. And 
when Kennedy gets movies, he's a supporting character. Um, now, are you counting that TV show, Jack and Bobby? Do you remember that? I am not counting that. It's not, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, which but, I, I don't know if anyone, I don't even think it lasted. Did it last a full season? I don't recall. It was on, I, I want to say it was on the WB. It was on the it was WB. pre-CW, yeah. right? Yeah. And the premise was that it was two brothers named Jack and Bobby and one of them becomes president. That's all we know. We don't know which one. Uh, and they're loosely based on the Kennedys, but yeah. it was not a, it was not a biographical depiction yeah. of the Kennedys. Kind of like the idea of it actually. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, you know, on TV, you've got Kennedy, uh, played by Martin Sheen in the, I think, 70s or 80s. I don't recall. Uh, then you have The Kennedys, which was a miniseries in which Greg Kinnear played him. And then there was a movie called Killing Kennedy in which Rob Lowe plays him. Um, and then on in film, like Bruce Greenwood played him in, uh, in 13 Days, which is kind of funny because then he would go on to play McNamara in The Post. Um, yeah. But, uh, and, and then, of course, there's a movie, J- it's literally called JFK. He's, it's very much about him, but he's not in it, you know, uh, yeah. he, yeah. he looms over it, but he's yeah. not in it. Who played Jackie in the Greg Kinnear thing? Was that, I think it was Katie, Holmes? Katie Holmes, right? Yeah. I think that's it. Yes. And I don't remember who plays Jackie in killing Kennedy with Rob Lowe. Okay. Um, I, I can tell you who plays Jackie in 13 days. Who's that? Actress named Stephanie Romanoff. All right. She was on angel. That's why I know that. Got it. Okay. I should have assumed that. <laughs> um, and so it's just a, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And I'm not even sure necessarily what to conclude from that. Is it that, because a lot of, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the Kennedy TV shows and uh, TV shows, sorry, miniseries or TV movies are often about the family or they're about Bobby. And then sometimes they're about uh, John. And so it's just, a uh, it's very interesting because I think he's just roped. He's just brought in with like all of, uh, these other characters, uh, these other historical figures. Whereas like Nixon is just right there by himself. And so I've not yet from a research standpoint, I've not yet charted like all the different, like when these TV movies aired and when these movies came out, I haven't yet, haven't yet charted that. Um, it is notable that, you know, uh, JFK came out in 91, which is the middle of, uh, which is towards the end of the George HW, um, presidency but that's the thing is that's a film that's all about how you cannot trust the government yeah and the guy in the white house was the former head of the cia you know uh yeah and so and i mean it would be easy to say that this is very this is paranoia but if you, you look at like the time when your party used to elect people who weren't <laughs> such complete buffoons yeah <laughs> or didn't at least present as buffoons i mean it's here's like on one hand I wasn't a big fan of George W. Bush, but probably was like, well, he was a governor. I'll take that. Yeah. And then like McCain was a Senator, but it's yeah, I would say, but he's a governor like because his um, dad was got on the job. Basically. I'm not the first person to say this, but I would say as of this point, Mm -hmm. Donald Trump has more done more damage to the Republican party than George, than George W. Bush did. But George W. Bush did more damage to the country. Um, well, we're not done yet. Uh, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> you know? what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's a mess. Um, and it's very, fr- and doing this research led me to watching a lot of interviews with Nixon 
after he got out of the White House, and he was fucking brilliant. I mean, he was he was brought like he was brought down by his own insecurities, obviously, right. and he did terrible things. But like he was, I saw an interview uh, where he was brought in like to just kind of comment on a current situation. So he and Ted Koppel were talking. And it was like a one hour thing of just him commenting on like trade disputes or something like that. And he just knew it all. And he was just like, man, he was like incredibly smart. It is unfortunate that. Well, that's why he, he's a, you know, a tragic figure. That's and I and that's the thing is like, while while uh, Oliver Stone might have made Nixon in response to Republicans getting power. And while he clearly did not like Nixon, I think he is, he was too, uh, Oliver Stone is too much of an artist to just flat out condemn him. Yeah. Same with W. W is actually not a full on condemning film either. And, and even, it. and by his own admission, he released that in 2008 so that he could try to sway the election in favor, in favor of the Democrat. Um, and then, you know, Michael Moore obviously released Fahrenheit 9-11. Yeah. And so like there definitely is precedent uh, for people releasing films in order to in response to politics certainly but then also trying to absolutely yeah. sway politics and so it's been a really fascinating uh it's been a really fascinating project and and my instructor mentioned that if you want to think abstractly then you could say something like zero dark 30 is an obama movie argo could be considered a carter movie um you know, mm-hmm. because, hey, Zero Dark Thirty is all about uh, Obama approving. I mean, he's not even in it, but yeah. approving of this thing. And yeah. then Argo is about but like, hey, this happened under Carter's watch. Okay, the Zero Dark Thirty is the one I haven't seen since it came out, but it spans. W it does. And yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But then like it happens under his watch. And of course, both films. When did they come out? Um, was that, uh, 2012? That's right. Is that really when zero Dark 30 was? A, yeah, it was. That I one. know it's crazy that it's like that old now, but, um, and that's the thing when I, I don't mean to be like an asshole and be like, guess when that came out, an election is every four years, you know? Right. And, but, and you know, there's midterms as well. So yeah, exactly. I, and I tried to look at midterms and I'm like, well, there's always like every two years is an election year on some level, yeah. you know? Um, and so part of me is like, okay, maybe I should look at that. It's like, I don't have the energy to look at every two years. Um, but, uh, but in our, like you and I are both 35. Oh no, you're 36. Now. Yes. You're the old man. Yeah. Um, uh, in our, in our memory as a politically aware adults, has there ever been a midterm that has had this much, as much anticipation as 2018 that has been as much buildup? I mean, it's, you know? it depends on, I mean, certainly 94. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't aware of yeah, that. You but and I like, weren't really paying attention, but 2010 was but, a, a big deal. Um, but I don't mean the results. Cause obviously, right. Yeah. You also had that. Yeah. You had that in, um, uh, 2006. 2006. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm saying in like the year leading up to, I feel like, but I mean, you had Obamacare passed and that really ruffled a lot of feathers. Okay. And so 2010 was like a big deal. And sure enough, the Republicans took the house. Um, but OK, so in in the post, when McNamara, he, you see him like ranting about Nixon and he says, he, this is different. Mm-hmm. I genuinely feel like 
everything about the the Trump presidency is different. Yeah. Like even when he, I mean, I guess it's inevitable that we'd be talking politics, but like even when he, let's say he does something, let's say he, he passes something that is beneficial in some way. I feel like it's almost a coincidence, <laughs> like because it's such it, it's so fucking chaotic yeah. there that I feel like it's it's maybe not it's incidental, you know, and I feel like it can't possibly be him. Like if anything, somebody else drafted something. It sounded maybe okay to him. He signed it probably without reading it, and while he's busy tweeting and f- firing probably more competent people. Um, not that Tillerson was remarkably competent, but I didn't he, know who, you know, I wasn't oh. sure who you were talking about. Yeah. Cause he's fired so many people. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, I like that, uh, that joke. We haven't talked, you and I haven't talked on them on Mike about the Oscars, but, um, yeah. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel's joke about hope being everywhere, except the white house. Hope was fired. on Wednesday. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so that's the thing is it's it's something that it's always it's it's going to keep going. I mean, in 2020, be on the lookout for uh, for I'd say 2019 and 2020, be on the lookout for movies about I'd say Nixon, mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe, we'll maybe Bush. Bush. He, well, that's the thing is like in general, for like starting with probably a ninety in ninety five and probably about in two thousand like documentaries became so easy to make so like bush and obama there have been a billion documentaries yeah. made about them yeah that's true you know so i think that's that's what you'll see a lot more of i, I watched that this is going back way back but that um uh the pro john Kerry documentary it was sort of like a reaction to the whole swift yeah. boat thing so yeah, actually a pretty good movie um yeah and it was clearly made with it like you're talking about made with a purpose in mind to defend um, john Kerry. and i think you know this year, if the midterms swing, let's say the Democrats get the the House and the Senate, um, I'm interested to see what the impact will be as far as movies that are that are not necessarily greenlit. I'm not not on a studio level, but like that that people want to make. Let's say the Republicans hold the House and Senate, and then it's like then it's all about 2020, right. and I feel like it will genuinely have an impact. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're already seeing, like you said, with the post, like, yeah. yeah, we already see movies, uh, that are clearly, um, I think, uh, I think we're seeing more, um, an increase in environmental fears because yeah. I think they were already, they were already there. And then the fact that we have, uh, elected an administration that is so anti science essentially, yeah. um, yeah, I think we're seeing bigger fears and things like annihilation uh, or whatever, which that's only part of what that, what that movie's about. Yeah. Uh, um, and that's, you know, and of course there's in 2016, there were two movies made about Obama. It was 2016, right? That Barry and Southside with you came out. Yeah. I never saw Barry. Um, I saw Southside with you and I thought yeah. it was a good movie. And, and people seem to like Barry as well. And it's just like, okay, so those both came out in an election year. Um, Citizen four came out in 2014, mm. which I think is probably the most, uh, critical film made about Obama. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Like that. It's, it's pretty damning there at the end. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've we already talked about, uh, Oliver Stone. Not that many people saw, Snowden, but I think right. that, that definitely gets into yeah. it because 
Um, it shows because Edward Snowden starts out as a Republican who becomes a Democrat because he expects Obama to yeah. undo what George W. Bush was was doing, and not only did he yeah. not undo it, he made it worse. Yeah. So I think um, if people, yeah, if more people saw Snowden, or if it were a good movie, which is yeah. not, unfortunately, maybe that would be. And a lot yeah. of people didn't see W either. Um, yeah, I true. just I feel like stone is just not the draw that he used to be like there was a time when his movies were like everyone was talking be, about jfk these you know? be exciting snowden yeah. is such a fucking snore that movie yeah. did you ever see it no yeah you don't need to. i mean i think w is actually pretty good it definitely does not have the energy of his movies in the early and mid 90s but um but i think it's i think it's it's pretty good he has a hell of a cast um but yeah, and so uh, we've been going for a yeah, while. We wrap up. Um, but yeah, so this we is. We haven't said anything. We've said a lot without saying anything. Yeah. So this is so <laughs> this is the project that I've been working on. Um, I'm really excited. My yeah. instructor really liked it. You think I write this book before someone else, one of our listeners? I know. Takes it from you. Just you know, give me like three percent, and you can just do what you want. <laughs> um, and it was and it was interesting, like presenting it to my class. There are only like six people in the class, but we all gave presentations and. And they thought it was really interesting because, you know, one, uh, we all get along very well and, and they know what my politics are and all that sort of thing. And so, and they said like, this is really interesting. This is something that just wouldn't have occurred to me. You know, they said like, and other people that I've told at school have said like, yeah, I mean, I would have said that anybody who says that like the media is, is like, is, is liberal and they're working against Republicans. Like I would have said they're paranoid. I was like, seriously, like the (laughs) movies, like, okay, you could make an argument to make, maybe journalism isn't quite so, uh, quite so biased as, as like, you know, Ann Coulter says it is, but like, I mean, movies. Well, we had that whole conversation with, with Scott on the podcast. Um, which I think you're right that the movies tend to uh, lean towards when it comes to party. Yeah. Lean towards Democrats. But in terms of values, movies often tend yeah. to be pretty conservative, I think. And we're talking we did, about... You guys can yeah. find a whole episode we talked about that. And we're talking... And that's the thing. We're talking about presidents now. Like, we're right. talking about historical figures. So it's like, in that instance, yes, I think you're going to find way more positive portraits. Like, you'll see... So we've got the top three since I, since 1960. So and even going back further since Eisenhower, there are more movies made about Nixon, Kennedy, and Johnson. We've established that Johnson's movies are can get folded into Kennedy's pretty easily. Um, and so we have arguably the best Democrat and until recently the worst Republican. Uh And it's, and I think it's because they're both frozen in time because, Hey, Camelot, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was cut short because of this terrible thing. And then this was cut short because he did terrible things. And so it's like, I mean, you can't, you can't write that better. Um, not to mention Nixon himself was, I mean, it's on record obsessed with Kennedy. Um, one of my favorite lines in, in Nixon, I kicked off my presentation with this is him looking at the official portrait of Kennedy and saying, saying when they look at you, they see what they want to be. When they look at me, they see what they are. Hmm. And I love, I I love that 
and then, quote. Yeah, definitely um, perfect for your presentation. Yeah, and so that's my that's, that's my presentation. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, I wish you were uh, staying in school and doing more papers like this so we could have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you're graduating. Congratulations on. Thank you. So you much. haven't actually graduated yet, but can, right, you finished school. So on th- on today, today, yes, the day of David Cronenberg's birthday. That that was the plan. Uh, yeah. uh, and our uh, friend of the show, Susan Burke's birthday. Hey. Yeah. That's great. It's <laughs> a good day all around. Yeah. So, um, all right. So that's that. You can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at Davey Pretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Uh, you've also got more than one lesson, which uh, the website's still going strong. Website's still going. And there's some good stuff going over there. Um, you know, you recently talked about The Lodger. Um, our writer, uh, Reed Lackey, has been working his way through every Hitchcock film, and I think he's still... I think he's moved into the the sound era, but like he's starting from the beginning. And so you can follow that. It's called a year with Hitchcock. And uh, you you still had, I think you got rid of all your VHS, right? Not all of it, but yeah, I know the one you're talking about. You had that like 10 film box set of early Hitchcock. Yeah. That was all, I mean, shitty looking, really cheap tapes. Um, but it had, it had some like notably had like lady vanishes and the 39 steps and the first man who knew too much. Yeah. But then it also had like murder and East of Shanghai and like rich and strange. I watched like all of those. Uh, in fact, I might be writing or might have already written about number 17 for the website for my Monday movie next week. Um, yeah, which is a completely nonsensical movie. Um, what, what's so number important about the number 17 is to Alfred Hitchcock as beat the devil is to John Houston. In <laughs> yeah, it's the, like, they're essentially like crime comedies that don't actually make any sense or what the plot is not important whatsoever. Is it um, effective? It, number 17 is, uh, it, it feels it's a, it's a mess, but it's, okay. it's fun. Uh, and it's only an hour long. And I never saw family plot. Did you, I've never seen family plot. No, I am curious to know when Hitchcock is actively making a comedy, is it as funny as when he is making a thriller that is occasional, that has like right. moments of humor? Yeah. I'll bet it's not the, fir- the, the first, uh, man who knew too much. <laughs> There's a fight. That's just two groups of people throwing chairs at each other. So funny. <laughs> One of the funniest things there is yeah. <laughs> just people throwing chairs. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's uh, that's it. You can find us at all those places. Thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 